1: Hello and welcome to Billy the Bat Boy's Corner presented by Up on Game. I'm Billy Pinckney and today we have New York Yankees prospect Derek Kraft joining the show. He's unfortunately fallen to Tommy John surgery for the rest of this year and part of next season as well. But he's looking to come back next season and he has a lot to tell us here about the surgery and his experience with the Yankees organization as well as some other things that I know you guys will enjoy. So without further ado, here's Derek Kraft. All right, guys, we're here alongside Derek Kraft, New York Yankees pitching prospect. Appreciate you taking the time.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, University of
1: Texas guy right here from San Antonio, uh, there for a few years as a pitcher, but then had a great year in 2018, put up some solid numbers. What would you say led to that consistency in 2018 compared to your previous couple seasons?
2: Well, first off, just 100% want to clarify, I went to the University of Texas at San Antonio, UTSA, you know, proud to be a roadrunner there. Um, But yeah, my my junior year, I really took off. Uh, We had a pitching coach change. Um, You know, know, the new pitching coach that we had, he was all about mentality and all about attacking and less about, uh, I want to say the more minute details of fundamentals. And uh, for me, a guy who just got off the mountain through anyway, that was, you know, a great fit for me. Things just kind of started to click. Um, I was, you know, an old, older member of the pitching staff than, than as a junior. So I was just given more opportunities, everything from, being the first out of the bullpen to the closer to set up. And I even started three games in my junior year. So uh, we had a really good team that year, really good group of guys. And I think, uh, you know, it finally, I finally uh, got used to being in college and and being in the city coming from a small town. And uh, I really just kind of felt more comfortable with myself um, as not only a baseball player and a pitcher, but as, you know, just as a, as a person uh just really kind of growing up finally and i feel like all that just came together and like you said had a i had a really good year
1: well you were then drafted by the yankees and making that transition into pro ball was that difficult for you and did you really you found your role in the bullpen
2: yeah no uh, i it was it was a shocker that i was drafted first off wasn't expecting it up until about, I want to say, two weeks before the draft when my uh, my college coach, my head coach at UTSA, had said, hey, you know, we've enjoyed having you. A Good look at the draft. And I was kind of like, the draft? What are you talking about? Uh, but it worked out, 16th round, of, you know, day three there. And really it was just kind of – it was just a dream come true. I know you hear that so often. Everyone says, you know, just it's always been the dream, finally getting to do it. It's just amazing. But, I mean, I really have no other words, but – that to describe it um you know I'm just pro ball it was just getting to play more baseball really um if I wasn't uh, down there in Tampa you know playing in the the GCL I was I would have been up in uh Kansas or something playing college summer ball so it was really just just more baseball I was just getting to play and I tried to soak it up and enjoy as much of it as I could
1: Well, this season, you unfortunately had to have Tommy John surgery. Can you take us through when you realized that that was a surgery you'd have to have and just that whole timeline there?
2: Yeah, um, you know, got hurt in late July. Um, I was one of the guys that never felt the pop. It was just kind of, um, I described it as a tightness that just kind of kept building up until more discomfort, more discomfort as my, my outing went on. And finally, my last two or three pitches, it was it was pretty uncomfortable and hurt enough to where it was noticeable by our training staff and our coaches, and they pulled me from the game and went back there. You know, we initially thought it was a flexor strain, so, you know, my hopes were high. I was like, okay, I'm good, just, you know, 10 days off, you know, go on the seven-day IL, and we'd be fine. But uh, tried to come back from that and tried to play catch again, and it hurt just as bad as it did. Um, so that's when we went and got the MRI, Got the results the next day, went and met with the, uh, you know, the doctor, uh, Dr. Ahmad up in New York and, um, you know, he looked at it and, you know, he said there are multiple ways to go about it, PRP injection, just kind of uh, temporarily heal it, but it wouldn't fix the problem, you know, and it really came down to the decision of, well, do I want to heal it and just, you know, essentially wait for it to happen again and, you know, be at peace with that decision or uh, go ahead and get it. You know, completely replaced and fixed, and so we decided to get it fixed. And uh, it was it was an emotional uh, meeting with the with the doctor there, hearing that that was his suggestion, and I knew that that's probably what I was going to have to do. So it was a um, was a sad moment. You know, I had to call my parents uh, right after that, and I shed some tears. And but uh, after that, it was just kind of uh, acceptance. And you know, it's like, okay, what do I got to do to get myself ready? you know, pre-surgery and then, you know, get a plan together for post-surgery of how we're going to attack it and how I'm going to come back better than I was.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what's it looking like now for the timeline post-surgery and when you're able to get that brace off and maybe start some movements and exercises?
2: Well, yeah, we've been, we've been working on, uh, you know, just light range of motion, kind of, uh, some passive stretching with, a uh, you know, a PT and have some, I have some small, uh, range of motion exercises that I'm allowed to do, at home, uh, still really not lifting any weight, um, to speak of with the right arm, which is really hard when all you do is with your right arm and all of a sudden you're not able to use it, but, um, it's all been going good. Range of motion has been coming back. Um, like I said, we're, uh, I guess four weeks out, about a month out of surgery tomorrow. Um, so everything's been going great. And I think I got about another week, maybe two of, uh, having to wear this brace, uh, which can't come soon enough, I'm ready to get it off and um, not really sure exactly what our timeline is going to look after that. I've, I've been really trying to focus, you know, just one, one thing at a time. And but uh, I think I'll be a total of about six months uh, out of surgery before I can start playing catch again. And it'll be roughly 12 months since surgery till I'll be back to uh, hopefully be back to game competition. So
1: I would like to touch on this 2022 season with the Somerset Patriots. It seems like a great group of guys, obviously a winning ball club playing in the championship this coming week. Is this one of the more special teams that you've been a part of?
2: Yeah, I've, I've said it since day one with that team. Again, another kind of cliche, but this team is bonded better, quicker, more smoothly than any team I've been on. Um, Professionally, or even in college, you know, I, I love those guys I played with in college. But this group is, this group is special. This group is different, uh, and I think everyone who was on that team can say that. I know we had uh, rehab guys come down, and you know, even they were saying how you know close of a group we are. You know, I think sometimes there's a divide in the locker room between Americans and you know the Latin players from the Dominican, and such like that. But I feel like our locker room was was very well meshed. Uh, with all of that we all got along uh, we all helped each other I think that was the biggest thing you know if one guy one hitter saw another hitter struggling with something you know he stepped in he helped them you know he tried to help them figure it out pitchers we did the same thing we had a lot of conversations down in that bullpen you know during games before games you know just trying to help each other kind of figure it out and uh yeah, it was something that I haven't experienced on any other teams that I've I've been a part of before. So it was a special group. Uh, I was sure sad to leave them. You know, it, it hit me that last day when I was saying goodbye to everybody that uh, there's a good chance I don't play with a lot of those guys again, uh, at least not anytime soon. You know, hopefully uh, by the time I, I get back to game competition, those guys are, you know, up in the big leagues. You know, I think that a lot of the guys on that team deserve it. And um, so it was really sad sad said and having to leave them uh but I kept up with all their games uh you know through live stream MILB TV and such like that and uh sent out texts to all of them when they won the uh, the 1st semifinal of the playoff and uh, I know our coach Dan Fiorito actually uh, Zoom called me and I got to talk with him and a few of the other coaches uh You know, after that win, I think they were still champagne was still dripping from their heads when they called me. So it was really, really special. I felt, you know, very, very touched that they they include me in a moment like that. I mean, we hear
1: a lot of times how the minor leagues are more for development and not as much for winning. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a secondary thing. If it happens, it happens. But it really seems like the team embraced that, and uh, the chemistry had a lot to do with it. I mean, what could you say about the coaching staff, Dan Fiorito and and the rest of the guys of the leadership skills that they had in the clubhouse?
2: Oh yeah, the the coaching staff there was great. I mean, we had a, a good collection of guys. They were. They were younger, but still had an incredible amount of experience. They meshed and related to the players very well. You know, uh, Fio, Casa, Jake, and uh, Bossy, they're great group of guys. They, they're very, very professional, the way that they approach everything, the way they treat everything. Um, you know, the coaching staff handles adverse, adversity just as much as players do, and I think they took it in stride I think uh, you know we had a COVID scare with uh, with Theo he also had to step out and had a daughter and we had a a couple of temporary managers come in you take his place and uh, I tell you we didn't we didn't miss a beat you know we we missed him not being there but uh, again the other coaches they all stepped up you know took took on a little bit extra roles and they made it happen, you know. If it wasn't for those, you know, those four guys, and and even our our support staff, our athletic trainers, equipment managers, our you know video analysts, advanced scouting uh, uh, directors there, they if it wasn't for all of them, I don't think Somerset has the success that it had this year. And I think that's something that the Yankees organization does a really good job of is is getting the right the right staff in place to help the development of the players. This show
3: is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe, it's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/gamepresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com/slash/gamepresents.
1: I'd like to touch on one guy in particular, Anthony Volpe and, and what he brings to the table and the kind of talent he is. What did you see from him?
2: Gosh, um, I've been with I've been with Volpe since he was drafted in 2019 up in uh, Pulaski, Virginia. Um, got to meet him there. And in right away when he stepped on the field in 2019, I knew that this kid had had an edge to him. You know, he didn't a lot of times you see first rounders kind of come in with with uh you know, just like, oh, hey, everybody look at me. I'm a first rounder. But, but Volpe wasn't like that. He came in and he got to work. Um, and then coming back uh, into 2020, that ended up not happening. Coming back from that in 2021, just seeing him in the clubhouse was like, this guy put a lot of work in in the offseason. You could just see it in you know, ways his body was built, his attitude and then, of course, the way that he played on the field um, last year in 21. And I was with him in Tampa and then in Hudson Valley again. And then to be with him again this year is really cool just to see his, you know, his progression and how he's grown up uh, within the organization, within the game of baseball, in the clubhouse relationship with the players. I mean, everybody loves him, uh, especially being there in Somerset. You know, he grew up, you know. I think his house was 20 minutes away from the stadium, uh, which was really cool. He would, you know, on Sunday nights after games, he would have a lot of the players, you know, come out to his house uh, and you just hang out. I know we had a little bit of an after party there after winning the first half championship. I think we had an Easter celebration uh, at his house. His family was incredibly welcoming uh, to have us there. So just, Everything that Anthony Volpe brought to the table on that team was was special. He contributed on and off the field. I mean, you could his his performance on the field was very evident, you know, in in everything that happened this season. But uh, he's a he's a great guy. You know, I've loved watching him, uh, you know, just continue to grow through this organization. And I can't wait to see him make it to the big leagues. Great stuff.
1: Well, I want to go back to you and yourself on the baseball field. Tall guy, 6'8". And I know something for taller pitchers to do is to repeat their delivery and have repeatable mechanics. I mean, for you, how have you been able to really master that?
2: Well, I can't say as though I've mastered it yet. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but you're right. Just so much of, of baseball and sports in general is, is being able to, you know, re- repeat your delivery your mechanics every time and that's really what separates you know minor leaguers from from big leaguers is the consistency of you know being able to do the little things and you know like you said being a real tall guy I was a real skinny guy in high school I think I graduated high school at like 175 pounds just as tall as I am now so I was I was a stick didn't know how to use my lower half had no idea what mechanics were I just lifted my knee and through, you know, and that was it. That was my whole delivery. That was my whole philosophy. And um, get to college, finally start feeling out a little bit, actually get in the weight room for once in my life. Uh, was able to get a little bit more strength, but still really didn't have a whole lot of concept for mechanics and, you know, what needed to be done. Uh, I got to say, it wasn't until about 2019 that I started to have a good idea of what I needed to do, how to control my body through my, uh, through my delivery down the mound. Uh, And then it's just continued to build. I've had a great support staff. I got a great group of guys in a a workout facility, you know, here in East Texas that I go to uh, other, you know, minor leaguers and big league players who, again, we all help each other out and I've got some, you know, great advice, you know, a, I think 11 year vet Josh Tomlin is one of my good friends and kind of serves as one of my pitching coaches in the offseason as he, you know, also works out for himself. So it's great having guys like that around. And again, the staff with the Yankees have done a great job of helping me get consistent with everything and, um, and again, I can't say as though I've mastered, you know, the art of repetition of my delivery yet, but it's something that I'm continuing to work on using my lower half, you know, getting the right amount of rotation, hip shoulder separation, the way my arm is path is coming through, finishing everything. It's it's like I said, still a work in progress.
1: I know the Yankees are big on data to how have those pitching coaches able to transfer and translate that data to you?
2: Yes, the Yankees are the Yankees are huge on data. Um, And I'm not. (laughs) I gotta be honest, I am probably the most simple. Let's just get on the mound and go type person ever. But um, the coaching staff, the, the pitching coaches there have been great with helping me learn a little bit at a time to where when they're talking about something, I know what they're talking about and I know what they're looking for uh, as far as, you know, video review, you know, post games, post bullpens and stuff like that. And I'm slowly getting a better grasp of all the data and stuff that we're looking for, what we need, spin rate, break Z, break X, all that different stuff. Uh, The the Yankees are really big on that. I think they've even created a few uh, uh, – metrics on their own that you know assess value for a player and help us kind of track our our growth and stuff like that um but it's it, it's it's a it's a crazy world that we're living in now it's not as old school anymore it's it's all data and all numbers but uh the Yankees do a really good job of, of teaching that to their players from the moment they they step foot in the complex in Florida and again it's another thing I'm I'm still working on developing and still learning so
1: for the guys like yourself, who may not be as into it. Do they sort of peel back if you say, "Okay, it's, it's a lot right now," or you know, let me let's take like baby steps here of how we're uh, interpreting it?
2: They do, they do. Uh, you know, for someone like me, I know the our our pitching coaches and our, our analysts aren't hype you know, harping on specific stuff. It's really more, you know, finding a way to tell me what to do, what I'm looking for to where they see the numbers change and, you know, and kind of make adjustments from there. And I think they do a really good job on that. I know just, talking about, you know, metrics and numbers and what's good and what's bad has been a very, very hot topic of conversation uh, in our clubhouse in Somerset, Somerset, especially in our bullpen. I think we've got some very opinionated individuals in that bullpen who like to have conversations about it um, and can get some flustered with it at the same time. But again, we all are under, under the understanding that you know the the numbers and our our advanced analysts are there you know to help us get better and again they do a great job of that
1: right are there a couple stats and in, in uh specific that they like looking at the most for a guy like yourself
2: for a guy like me uh you know i'm a what you call a z-ball pitcher i get a lot of kind of vertical break uh on my fastball pitchers like that are the the type who throw hard up in the zone pretty regularly uh so for stuff like that you look at you know spin rate and and break z like i said which is just kind of the the number of vertical break that you're getting off of what would be zero zero a standard you know fastball without any movement so that's kind of the biggest thing i look at is is the break x and the break z of my fastballs the um the spin rate of you know my fastball my slider and then how much they're moving and, and different stuff like that that's kind of my biggest focus over the last couple years is is just getting a good grasp of, of those numbers
1: for the young pitchers out there who might be in high school is there anything that you'd like to share with them maybe something that you wish you knew at that age
2: Oh, gosh, if we'd be here all day if I got into everything um, I coach in the off season When I come home, I collect I, I coach a, a high school, middle school age groups, so, you know, fall travel ball stuff, go to showcases and stuff like that. And kind of the one thing I always try to focus on is when when you try to throw harder, you end up not. You know, it's everything, especially the younger age groups think everything comes from the arm. Everything comes from the arm. If I want to throw harder, I got to move my arm faster. And I always tell my kids it comes from the legs. You know, you got to build, build from the ground up, get a good foundation from your lower half, harp on that, harp on that. Um, you know, by the time you get to the, you know the high school age group, you know how to throw a baseball. You know, you just pick it up and let your arm do what it does and so if you can really focus on your lower half mechanics and you know really focus on being efficient moving down the mound with with explosiveness the right amount of rotation then the upper half will you know catch up and take care of itself um yeah it's in the um, the other thing i was literally just talking about this in a tournament this weekend with one of my kids um when you when you try to be fine and you try to dot up and you try to hit your spots the more you really try to be perfect the less you're going to be you know you at some point in times you're just going to have to trust your pitches you know trust your fastball to you know go where it needs to go trust your breaking ball to break the way it needs to and just don't try to place it don't try to be perfect just throw it the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a pitch and, you know, you're going to have to live on that sometimes. And uh, that's really my biggest thing for the younger kids is don't try to be perfect. because You're not going to be. And, uh, you know, just just get out there and compete with your best stuff. Throw it right down the middle. If they hit it. They hit it. You know, and I mean, I'm 26 years old and double A and that's my philosophy, you know, so uh, it doesn't always work out. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good place to start anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great stuff. Well before I let you go, I do want to show you this right here. We got your bobblehead from Pulaski. Ah. This, this is rookie ball, right?
2: That was uh yeah, that was 2019 Pulaski, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. <laughs> I tell you, that makes me light up every time I see that.
1: Look, so when was the first time you saw this? What was your reaction to it?
2: Um, so they the, the general manager there, uh she sent me a text in the off season after the 2019 season and asked me if it was something that I would be open to doing. I mean, who, who in their right mind is going to say no to having a bobblehead made. Right. So, and, it, and that, that place there, uh, Pulaski, Virginia is always going to hold a special place in my heart. The, the fans there were incredible. I think we had like a, a 3,200 seat uh, stadium, And I think we had about 4000 fans there every night. So it was standing room only the fans there were incredible. Uh, you know, it was a rural town. Um, and me wearing my cowboy hat boots and jeans to and from the field every day uh, fit right in up there. Uh, I know the fans liked it. Uh, For me, it was fun looking up in the stands while I was warming up on the mound and seeing you know, some cowboy hats up in the stands. So that was real special for me. So when they called and said, hey, we want to do a a cowboy craft bobblehead for our agricultural night uh, next year, which they have every year. And they still do, even though they're a college summer team now. um, I, of course, said yes. And they said, anything specific you want on it? And I said, just, you get my three-quarter sleeve right, get my stirrups right, and you know maybe put a lasso in my hands. That'd be that'd be fun. And they made it happen. Um, and yeah, they actually sent me, I want to say like three dozen uh, bobbleheads, uh, which was nice for me. I didn't have to uh, buy Christmas gifts for my yeah. family that year, uh, which was fun. But uh, no, that. That uh, always makes me laugh. No matter what mood I'm in, if I'm at the ballpark and someone's leaning over the railing asking me to sign my bobblehead, I'm instantly smiling. So uh, that was just a great honor. You know, it's a good good little, uh, I don't know, just good feel good moment, I guess.
1: <laughs> awesome. Great stuff, Derek. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, best of luck recovering and hopefully we'll see you out there soon.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate you, man.
1: We'd like to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Billy the Bat Boy's Corner, presented by Up On Game. Derek Kraft, somebody who's unfortunately recovering from Tommy John surgery, but he's doing what he can to stay healthy and proceed with his rehab. Uh, We hope to see him back out there on the field in 2023. And we'll see you guys next time here on the show. But Before we leave, we do want to remind you, we're supporting the Father English Center in Patterson, New Jersey. Please subscribe on YouTube. Rate, review, and also stay connected on social media at Billy the Batboy and at Up on Game Network. We'll see you guys next time here on the show.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them